to Radio War Stories with your hosts, Dave Jagger and Don Nelson. And we welcome you into season two of Radio War Stories. I'm Dave Jagger. And I'm Don Nelson. And can you believe it? We got renewed for another year. Amazing. Thank you to our sponsors. They're so <laughs> wonderful to keep providing us absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. The hits just keep on coming. Exactly. But it, it was a fabulous first year that just sort of started by accident. And we continue to have fun. And that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, God knows we're not making any money off of it. But the, just the idea of being able to sit down and, and talk about the incredible times we've had in the broadcast business is in itself a wonderful payment well, it, it truly is you're absolutely right and and you know i had a, a conversation every couple of weeks i've talked to a couple of my buddies that live here in in texas and we grew up together doing radio in in south texas at kbic in victoria and we still feel the same way except now we're a little creakier and a little heavier but other than that we we just love talking about that broadcast industry that uh, we came up in Speak for yourself, Dave. I do not creak. Okay. <laughs> also, By the way, wanna... that is a, a phenomenal device uh, on in front of you there. What on earth are we starting off the new season with? Well, we used to have just a regular old digital mixer, but my wonderful daughter, who, by the way, works for Spotify and the uh, uh, podcast arm of that company called Parcast, uh, they use this and give a lot of these devices to their clients. Uh, Brene Brown, tons of people that do podcasts on Spotify. This is called a Roadcaster Pro. You can't see it, obviously, but it is an amazing device that does so much more and she gave this to me for Christmas. I didn't ask for it. I would have bought one of these myself a year and a half, two years ago, but they were a little on the pricey side. I think Spotify buys so many, they may get a break on that, on that price. But I wanted to thank Kristen for getting this uh, to me for Christmas uh, this past uh, December. It's just a wonderful device. That's terrific. And Kristen, remember, Christmas of 2021 is only uh, you know, 11 months away, and I don't have anything Can, like that. Don so could just, use a Roadcaster Pro like I. thought I would throw that out. <laughs> we have a wonderful opportunity uh, to talk with someone that you and I have both had the privilege of working with over the years, uh, who fills an incredible void. Uh, first of all, uh, I knew him as a consultant. We've known him as a program director. He was kind enough to spend time with us, and I think it's a phenomenal way to start the new year. So without any further ado, we're going to bring this guy online. Uh, I cannot tell you how this guy straightened out my life, but I want to know about... Uh, Don, how you and this gentleman got hooked together. Charlie Cook, who worked for McVeigh Media uh, as a consultant, uh, of course, with us now. And uh, hello, Charlie. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Nice to have you with us. And and we were talking a little earlier, and, and I honestly can't remember a time, Charlie, when I didn't know you. So I, I'm not quite sure when we first physically met up. Well, you know, um, both of us have been in this business for a long time. I'm in my, I don't know, it's either 50 or 51st year in radio. And um, I was, and you got to be that long, Don. Uh, 
because I, I knew of you, uh, you know, as I was uh, a, a young disc jockey and moving around the country. And um, but I, but relative to New York, I think um, I just walked into your office one day. I had moved to New York. And, I, and what I did was twist your arm until you let me um, hang around the radio station. Because I, I remember <laughs> saying to you, look at I you're going to have a consultant that lives in your city who can hear your radio station every day. And if you remember correctly, <clears throat> uh, the day I came on board as the consultant, the program director quit. You're right. Yeah, but that was not an uncommon occurrence at that time. Right? <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't. Uh, I'm sure most program directors said, I don't need a consultant. Mm. Right. And uh, yeah, that's probably as true as not. But uh, um, but yeah, so that, that I think that what that did was it really, um, you know, forced us to become more of a team than you might have uh, been with a normal or regular or a standard like consultant because I, I did basically move into the building at that point. Yeah, you literally did. You were you were you were almost uh, there except I got in before you did because I needed coffee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you know I continued my consultancy. So I would go um, yeah, I, hell I remember one time uh, being in New York one day and being in Kalispell, Montana uh, later that week. So mm -hmm. That was the scope of the consultancy back then. Uh, but yeah, I got to spend a lot of time with you in the radio station and, and came to respect you even more than I had before because I was a tough putt uh, in New York. Uh, but you did an amazing job with that radio station, made money. And um, I, I think we had a, a modicum of success, more success probably than they had uh, previously. It's interesting because when I went into New York, I had no idea that Westwood One was teetering on bankruptcy, which basically they were at that time, you know. Yep. And yep. so every dime that came in the door was terribly important. And we had some great talent. I mean, to this day, uh, working with guys like Dandy Dan and, and Jim Kerr, uh, these are just legends in the business. And I was in awe of my own talent and thoroughly enjoyed it. So it, it, bringing you in uh, was kind of the frosting on the cake. Uh, question about you know the whole consultancy itself. Uh, how did you get into that? You started off on air how did you turn out to be a consultant and then come back to the the station business so i um uh, it was meeting mike mcveigh basically uh, mm -hmm. i was a, a disc jockey in wheeling west virginia <clears throat> and i met mike uh at okay this is this is a once in a lifetime thing uh, <laughs> i was the morning man on wwva and right. Mike was on WNEU and the circus came to town. So we um, had a parade down Main Street with riding elephants. I, uh, all the morning men in town were riding elephants. I think there were probably five of us across the street and we're riding elephants down, waving and you know doing all the elephant stuff. That you do. By the way, don't ever ride an elephant. They're prickly 
and they're smelly. Yes. And you really have to get up very high. Yes, so don't you ride do. An I've ridden an uh, elephant. I hope there. this is is not going where I think it is. But, no, uh, no, it doesn't. You know, believe you're me. riding the elephant, but who's <laughs> coming along behind with the shovel? That's not. I don't. I don't even care. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> we're we're on the elephants, and I'm on one curb, and. Mike McVeigh, who I, I didn't know at that point, was on the other curve. And I look over, and there's a guy with harem pants and a turban riding this <laughs> elephant. And I, I said to myself, I have to meet this guy because this, this is a goofball. And I walked up to him and put my hand out and said, I'm Charlie Cook over on w, WBA. He says, I'm Mike McVeigh on WNEU. And we became instant friends that day. Seriously, as a matter of fact, when when I left uh, Wheeling, <clears throat> I, I moved to New York. I went from WWVA to WHN in New York. And Mike and Doris, his wife, they took um, my apartment when I left. And, and I've been, that was 1977. And I have been, you know, he'll tell you I'm his best friend since 1977. So Mike started a consultancy. I went from New York to Miami to Los Angeles. And um, at that point, it was about 1982, 83. And Mike's consultancy was starting to get a little bigger. And I, but he's not a country guy. So I said, hey, do you need somebody to do uh, the country music side? And he said yes, and I joined the comp- I joined the company then, became um, a, a very small partner in the company, and we grew McVeigh Media into a, really a large consultancy at that point. Absolutely, probably the largest. Uh, at, at yeah, the, I think yeah. At, at one point we certainly were were darn close. Right, and I think we had eight or ten consultants when it was all said and done, and I, I probably had. I don't know, 30 clients. Mike had as many or more than that. Wow. Uh, From everywhere. I mean, we consulted. I consulted a a station in Australia, uh, 2SM in Australia. Went there a couple of times. Consulted a station in New Zealand. And as I said earlier, New York City to Kalispell, Montana, and every place in between. And, And I did that for 15 years. I was on the road 250 days a year for 15 wow. years. Wow. And I, I kind of joke, it's not funny, but I joke it cost me two marriages. Uh, <laughs> the strain from being gone that much cost me one. I married another woman. And then when I came off the road, she said, no, I signed up for two days a week. I didn't sign up for seven days a week. And we got divorced. <laughs> so I say it cost me two. Oh, boy. <laughs> Well, uh, it, it, but Izzy has been hanging out with you through all this time of late, right? I'm so blessed. I, I have just, I have two amazing daughters. Isabella Izzy uh, is now a student at Belmont here in Nashville. Uh-huh. And uh, so she's been back here in Nashville with me uh, basically since August. Uh, she lives uh, on campus in a dorm, but I get to see her a lot. And talk and to her even She's more. the youngest, right? She's you have just, an older one. She's a great kid. Yeah. She's my youngest, yes. Yeah, yeah. she is. Izzy is she's great. A I've met Izzy before. She's a singer, yeah. guitar player, great uh, bass player, uh, just really uh, a great human being. And I'm very blessed uh, uh, with her. 
Well, when I knew my older daughter, Charlie had sent her to the School of Rock there in uh, in Brentwood. Uh, And so uh, she really, really became a a fine musician, I understand. Yeah, she is. She's uh, she's still she's she's playing bass and uh, she's a really great singer. So I hope that's what she does in her life. That's what she wants to do. Well, we just hope that whatever they want is what they do. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Charlie, uh, when you are, are hired as a consultant, let's just say out of the blue, uh, uh, Dave decides to hire you for his radio station in Op, Alabama, uh, and you walk in the door, what do you do? How do you go about getting inside with the, the talent that's there? It, it is, it's on, it, it depends on the talent, obviously but it's on a bunch of different levels. It, it is what the radio station needs. And I think that if you've been doing this for any period of time, you can really figure that out in short order. Sometimes you have a very strong air staff, but maybe the music's off track. Or sometimes, you know, musically your radio station is, is on track, you're imaged really uh, correctly, but your air staff isn't on the same page as the radio station. Uh-huh. So I think that the first thing I always did was ask the program director what they hear. What, what do you hear in your head? And that's what the radio stations would sound like. And then are you able to communicate that to your staff? Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot about the execution of the radio station at that point, whether the, the program director understands what the radio station should be, whether um, he or she can communicate what the radio station should be. And that's kind of where I tried to help. Um, I know I went into a really big radio station and the music was just screwed up. They were playing like 1,100 titles and, and everything that was a number one song in Billboard going back to 1960 was playable. <laughs> well, of course, that's not. Reality. <laughs> so that was a relatively easy fix. And it wasn't and managing say, that one, was I? Uh, no, no, you weren't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, and that station's still in existence. It's still a very big radio station. But uh, for the period of time that I was uh, consulting it, uh, they've never had those kinds of ratings on that radio station since. Mm-hmm. So it is keeping you know this Don. it's keeping a radio station between the curbs you know absolutely well you've done a marvelous job on it and and i am guessing that at some point that uh, 200 some odd days on the road is what led you back into the station business where you are today correct yeah i i i remember the day i lived in los angeles and i was going to visit my client in shreveport louisiana and it is a you know, because you had to change planes in Dallas, it's right. generally a six-hour trip. Mm-hmm. It took 24 hours for me to get from Los Angeles to Shreveport, a lot of it by bus. And oh. I got to Shreveport, and I called Mike, and I said, I'm out. <laughs> uh, what, what? And I said, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> I, it was just, it was too hard. And I had, uh, I had, had actually been <clears throat> offered a job at Westwood One. About every six months, um, a, a mentor of mine, the guy who hired me at WHN in New York, Ed Salomon, had called and said, hey, we, 
we've got an opening here. We want you to join us here in, in Southern California. And I kept saying no, kept saying no. And then finally he called like that week. And uh, I just finally said yes and came off the road, went to work for Westwood One for 10 years and then um, back into day-to-day radio for a while. Then I, I went to West Virginia and served as a consultant kind of for West Virginia Broadcasting. I loved that job so much. You mean for, for the State Association? Is that what you No, no, no. Um, it was, it's a chain, it's 34 radio stations ah, in West okay. Virginia. Dale Miller's the president, a really great radio guy. And um, I was the vice president of programming. So I, vis- I you know, I traveled again, mm-hmm. but it was just inside of West Virginia. And so, you know, that was always, it could be a day trip if I wanted it to be. Sure. Right. Um, and lived in Morgantown. So, you know, I just, I've done a little bit of everything. Then I came back into radio day to day with Cumulus seven years ago here in Nashville, and I couldn't love it more. I have to ask you a question, okay? Your title is operations manager, right? How many stations do you work with in Nashville? So we have five stations here in Nashville. I'm the program director of WSM FM, and the ops manager for the other four, mm-hmm. well, all five actually. Mm-hmm. And we have a talk station, an urban station, a sports station, an, and two country stations. Wow. And then I'm the vice president of programming for Cumulus's country format, and we have 70 country stations. So I have uh, responsibility across those stations too. I have to ask you, simply, how do you do that? keep all of these balls in the air at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the, the 15 years of consulting uh, helped me figure that out, build a foundation, know how to, uh, as you say, juggle a bunch of uh, responsibilities at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped me learn how to do that. And then when I went to Westwood one, I was a vice president of programming for Westwood One and for the formats. Mm-hmm. You know, we had 11 formats and 1,000 affiliates. So you deal with them every single day. And I became responsible for all of the programming originating uh, out of uh, the West Coast. So that was a lot of responsibilities. And um, again, I think the consulting, being able to uh, organize and Dave can tell you this, Mike McVeigh might be the most organized person in the world. So I really learned it the master for that. It's, it's, it's interesting for me because uh, I can't fathom uh, having to keep track of that many different balls at the same time. Uh, fortunately for me, I got out of the business at a time when as a GM, at the most responsibility I had was for an AM and an FM. Okay. You knew everybody who worked on both stations. You knew their wives, you knew their boyfriends, their girlfriends, all of that. It all came through. And, and the idea of, of just having to keep track of what you're keeping track of in Nashville just blows my mind. Uh, Do you sometimes go home at night and, and lay in bed trying to figure out just how to go to sleep without thinking about all these radio stations? I have what they call a monkey brain. (laughs) <laughs> it jumps all over the place, <laughs> but I'm in bed. I can't. I cannot calm down because uh, you're right about that. When you go, 
oh, here's what I have to do tomorrow, or here's what I didn't do today, or here's what's coming up next week. And then, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, it hits you. That's when it hits me at about three o'clock in the morning. Okay. Well, I guess that's good news for me, having only been responsible for two at any one time, Max. I've never been awake at three o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> I, yeah, like Don, I can't imagine that you don't go home and bury yourself, your face in the pillow, and just scream and and then finally let all that out. But we can tell, Don, and you'll know this because you worked with Charlie and and we've known him a long time, but. Just listening to his demeanor, this is the guy. You get what you're listening to. This is Charlie Cook. We'll be back next week with part two and more with Charlie Cook. Thanks for listening to Radio War Stories. We'll be back next week.